to do. Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Psalm chapter 25, Psalms 25. We're going to read a little bit there, and then we're going to go over to Hebrews. And uh, we've been in a series entitled Covenants, and uh, we uh, obviously aren't looking at all the covenants of the Bible, nine of them. Um, uh, but we are just taking a snapshot about what the Bible says about covenants. And we've learned this, that covenant is the way that God relates to his people. Uh, we have the Bible. Uh, we call it the Old Testament, New Testament. It's actually the Old Covenant, New Covenant. And uh, this is the way that God relates to his people. We see it throughout Scripture. Uh, God related to Abraham with the covenant, with Noah with the covenant, Moses with the covenant, David with the covenant. And we learned this the very first week, that covenant is the way that God gets us on the same page that he's on. Okay? God has a great plan he wants to fulfill on the earth through you, but in order for that to happen, he had to give that plan over and say, here it is. You can either accept it, reject it, but you can't change it. Last week, uh, we talked about covenants as well. We talked about that covenants is uh, God pursuing us, that God is the one that pursues us, that God is the one that, that proposes it. He shows it to us. He enables us to, to, to abide by the covenant. It is God coming after us. Today, I want to talk to you uh, about another aspect of covenants, and there are actually three aspects of, of, of a covenant. The first part is this, it's the words of the covenant. The words of the covenant are the promises of the covenant, things that God promises to do for us. It's the, the vows of the covenant, the oath. It's God proposing to us, if we could put it that way, the words of the covenant. Another part of the covenant is what we know as the blood of the covenant. And we know that Jesus in the new covenant shed his blood on the cross so that we could partake of that new covenant. There's always blood involved in covenant in some aspect. It's either inferred or we see it directly in scripture. And then the last part of a covenant is the seal of the covenant. And the seal of the covenant is a sign to God that we are in covenant relationship with him. So in the Noahic covenant, um, after the flood, you guys all read the story about the flood before? Good, you read a little bit of Bible, all right? That's where, you know, the, the waters covered the earth, that, that Noah and his family were in that boat, right? And they were floating around in it for some time. Uh, well, after it was all over, the Bible says in that, that God gave a rainbow as a sign to himself. So that he would look down, and when he looked down, he would see that rainbow, and it would, it would signify to himself that he would never flood the earth again, okay? And so there's a seal, and that was the seal of the Noahic covenant, that God would never flood the earth again. And so we see that. But today we're going to look at, at the words of the covenant. And the words of the covenant are, are powerful because it's, it's the proposal. Let's read Psalms 25, verse 15. Actually, verse 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Come on, you're going to know this by the time this series is over. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Makes known to them his covenant. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. If you fear God, come on, you're friends with God. If you fear God, you'll be at our anniversary weekend next weekend. Come on, somebody. Now turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 6. And in talking about the words of the covenant, uh, we're going to see right here, because the words involves oftentimes an oath, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. And in here we actually see in the New Testament, referring back to Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant, that God made an oath with Abraham. That oath was oftentimes verbal, many times written, and sometimes it actually comprised a book. And here we see that reference in Hebrews chapter 6. And I love, I don't know what it says like in your little subtitle above this, this uh, portion of scripture, but mine says the certainty of God's promises. Come on, how many guys glad that God's promises are certain? Amen. Verse 13, when God made a promise to Abraham, 
Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Think about that for a minute. God's talking to Abraham. He pauses for a minute, looks around and goes, nope, there's no one better than me. And so he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, now look at that part right there, patiently waited, come on. Uh, although the promises of God are certain, they are yes, they're going to happen, come on, they don't happen on our timetable, right? I mean, Jessica has been waiting for like five years for Bert to propose, okay? She wanted him to, she felt it, she's like, what's wrong with this guy, okay? But because she was like Abraham and she was patient, come on somebody, Bert saw the light. Praise Jesus. Okay? Waited patiently. Waited patiently. Hmm. Obtained the promises, verse 16, for people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It ties the Abrahamic covenant into the new covenant. Come on, Jesus being our hope. Are you glad for that this morning? Okay, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, your word would just uh, be amazing in this place, that, that Lord, people's lives would be transformed, that God, we would walk out of here with a greater understanding of your word, more in love with you and uh, that we would go out and impact others for your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The words of the covenant, it's God's proposal to us. I, I'm sure st it still seems like a little bit of a, I don't know, like a mystical thing or a magical thing when you think back to your, 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 your proposal night. I mean, Bert, uh, no, actually Jessica told me about it. can't remember what it was. We were talking, oh, it was at uh, our uh, school of ministry, and she was telling me about it and how, you know, Bert, you know, did this and that, and then he took me, and, and we got into a helicopter. Come on, this guy went all out. Come on, somebody. And we got in a helicopter, and, and you know, and she, she had, he had her worry that they were going skydiving for a little while, and she was petrified. Way to go, Bert. But come on, a helicopter, and the helicopter goes up, and they fly over the beach, and there's, there's family down there holding a the big sign that says, Jessica, will you marry me? That's pretty cool. Way to go, Bert. Good job, buddy. Okay. Now, you know, Jessica tells her side. I went and asked Bert later. I said, Bert, why a helicopter? And he said, because if she said no, I was going to push her out of the helicopter. I was like, all right. I, I see how you work. All right. So she was scared enough to say, yes, that's cool. All right. Okay. I remember when I asked my wife to marry me, and, uh, you know, almost 15 years ago now, on her 21st birthday, and, uh, and I had the whole day planned out, and I was, I was nervous, man. I was so, so nervous, and, and uh, looking back, you know, because not that she was going to say no, just nervous, you know. How's it going to turn out, you know, and maybe she will say no, I don't know, but um, yeah, I just remember back the day, and we had, I had the whole day planned out. The day before, I actually drove up uh, to meet her mom 
and, uh, because she's very close with her mom and her stepdad. And so I drove up to meet with her mom because so I couldn't meet with her stepdad. And, and I brought flowers for her mom and I walked in and there she was in the lab. She's a, a lead lab tech. And I walked in there. She was with like 15 other employees. I walked in with flowers. The minute she saw the flowers, she just started crying. And I was hoping that was a good thing. <laughs> no, you're not the one. You know, I don't know. Um, and so I walked in, I gave her flowers, and I was just like, you know, I just want permission to, you know, to ask uh, your daughter to marry me. And, and uh, she obviously said yes. And she said, I, I, I say yes, but you're going to have to call Rocky, her stepdad. And, and I said, okay. And, and so she dialed the number, and Rocky answers. Now I'm more nervous. I don't know why, but Rocky can be intimidating. Not anymore, but back then he could be. And, and uh, he answers the phone. He's like, hello. And I was like, yeah. Oh, Rocky, I was just wondering if you would marry me. <laughs> True story. I was nervous, you know, and he's like, well, you might need to talk to my wife about that one. <laughs> but I remember back, and so then the next day, you know, um, it was her birthday, so everything I did, she just thought it was for her birthday, you know. And so that morning, we worked at this sports camp together, and I had the kids sing happy, all 80 kids sing happy birthday to her, you know. And, and then after the camp, we got done about noon, I said, hey, um, you know, let's go down to the park and have a picnic. And she's like, okay. And so I drove her and dropped her off at her house. And I went over and I grabbed Chinese food because uh, Safeway, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Safeway. You just have a killer Chinese, like $5. It was awesome. Anyway. And so I went and grabbed Chinese food. We liked it. And so we sit down. I'm so nervous. We throw off a blanket. We get to the park and, and, uh, and we get done eating Chinese food. And, and uh, she's like getting full. She's like, I'm full. And I'm like, well, yay. But you got a fortune cookie. It's her birthday. You got it got to read your fortune. She said, ah, no, I'll read it later. Uh, I'm kind of full. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to eat your fortune cookie. And she's like, fine, I'll eat my fortune cookie, you know. And, and so she cracked it open and it said, Katie, I love you. Will you marry me? And, uh, and it's, thank you, Bert. Okay. Let me just tell you this. The the hardest part wasn't, wasn't you, know, uh, the, you know, that moment of, of her cracking open Ashton, it was getting that fortune inside that cookie. That was difficult, man. I bought a huge box of fortune cookies just to find one that had a crack. I, I took some tweezers and I pulled out the other fortune, and then I stuffed that one down, down in there. It was, uh, it was a great day. And then later on, I mean, it's, you know, we're just celebrating, so later on, uh, we're, at, we're at my place, we're all dressed up, getting ready. I told her I'm going to take her out for, for dinner. And, uh, and so, um, so finally, it's like, okay, it's time to go. And we walk out, and there's a limo waiting. And, uh, and I wanted to go all out. I mean, it's her 21st birthday. Plus, come on, we're getting married, somebody. And so we walk out, and she keeps walking by the limo. She goes, oh, that's so cool. Somebody got a limo. And she said, true story. She was actually this. She was like, oh, that's so cool. Somebody got a limo. They're looking at a ring, you know. And, uh, and she keeps walking by. I was like, babe, this is, this is for us. And she's like, ah. So we get in. There's a dozen roses waiting for them. We, we cruise down to this restaurant. I have to be a valet. And so we cruise down to this, this restaurant, and, and the maitre d' meets us at the door. And he's like, oh, your table's right back here. And we keep walking back and back. And she's like, there's empty tables everywhere. And then doors open up. Her whole, whole family's there. And I had a big surprise party for her. And then we went out and hit some jazz music afterwards in the limo. And we had a good time. Why am I sharing all that with you? Because I can. I got the mic. Okay. Why, why am I sharing all that with you? Because, man, the proposal is, 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 is awesome. Because it's not just what took place that day, but, but when I proposed to my wife, that meant something to her. It meant something to me. It meant that, baby, I, I'm going to be yours. You're going to be mine. I'm saved myself for you. You saved yourself for me. And, and man, this is going to be an amazing, amazing relationship. What I'm saying at that moment is, is, baby, I only want you and only you. There's nobody else for me. There's nobody else that 
that I want to be with for the rest of my life. And, and it means something. And the minute I asked, I mean, all of a sudden I saw her wheels start turning and we start talking about the wedding day and, well, when are we going to get married, you know, and, and what will it look like? And then all of a sudden she's going out and buying, you know, all these wedding magazines. Why? Because the proposal is something beautiful. The proposal is something magical. This is not let's go to Vegas. And if you got hitched in Vegas, that's okay. But this is not some go to Vegas. What happens in Vegas, Britney Spears stays in Vegas. This is something, come on somebody, this is something powerful. This is something meaningful. This is something well thought out. And this is what God does for us. When he comes in covenant, he comes and he goes all out. Because when God says, listen to me, when God comes and proposes a covenant to us, he is not proposing some words. Because if you read the New Testament, come on, Jesus Christ is the word. And so when he says, hey, here's the words of the covenant, what he's saying, he's saying, here, here I am. I'm giving myself over to you. I am, I am, I am, I am linking myself with you. You are for me. I am for you. He's not just giving us some words. He's giving us himself. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's a proposal. And it's beautiful. And it's God like we talked about last week, pursuing us. And he pursues us to that point where he says, look, this is who I am. This is who I want to be to you. This is who I want to be for you. And all we got to do, like she did, is say, yes, yes, yes. And of course, you know, she slips the ring on that finger. Why an engagement ring? Because the engagement ring is the seal to the covenant that I just made with her. It's a sign that, that now any guy that hits on her should be like, boom, right? It's saying, I'm taken. I mean, I'm pursuing this covenant relationship with, with my man. It's the seal. People oh, you're engaged. Yeah. And that, that, that ring is the seal to that covenant. And that ring carries over to the wedding day. And then the wedding day comes around and, and another seal is given. I'm not just engaged, but come on, somebody, I'm married. Okay. We have the, the old covenant, and the old covenant really is, is like, like an engagement ring. The old covenant is, is God promising himself to us and through a series of covenants, and he's saying, hey, this is the engagement ring, but come on, somebody, one day, come on, you're going to get married to Jesus. You're going to get married to the bride. You're going to get married to the groom. You're going to get married to the one that laid down his life. And I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit then comes in. Come on, somebody. Come on. Like the seal to the new covenant. The old covenant, that's like engagement. The new covenant, man, come on somebody. The new testament, we're, we're married to him. It's powerful. It's the words, the words, the words. The words carry so much power. Well, the Bible says this, that, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that, that love it will eat of its fruit. There's power. The Bible says, and this scripture, it, it honestly, it, 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 it freaks me out. It says this, that you will be held accountable for every idle word you speak wow why is that because words are are powerful words are powerful see god is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent we read it in hebrews uh, 6 today that god cannot lie he swore by himself he gave an oath what is that oath that man we he's fully ours and we're fully his it's the words the words words of the covenant the promises the terms under which the promises would be would be carried out an oath, a verbal or written, sometimes in a book. And, and if you read through Scripture, you see this, that there's only actually one book of a covenant, and it was the Mosaic Covenant. And it has a book set aside for the Mosaic Covenant. 
All the other covenants, though, they are, they are wrapped up in the greatest covenantal book. Come on, somebody, the Bible. And so we can read this and we can see that, oh, wow, God. Man, he proposed this and he, and, and, and he swore by it in an oath. And, man, he, he will really do it. That's pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. In the Noahic covenant, Isaiah 54, 9, we see an oath. In the, in the Abrahamic covenant, Hebrews 6, 16 through 17, we read it today, we see an oath. In the Davidic covenant, in Psalm 89.3 and Psalm 132.11, we see that, that God proposed himself to his people and he gave an oath. In the new covenant, Acts 2.30, Hebrews 7.20, we see that God, man, he's proposing himself to us. The words, the oath, it's, 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 it's powerful. It's powerful. Let me give you the definition of an oath. An oath. Verbal or written, sometimes a book made into a covenant, and it's irrevocable. It's irrevocable. Do you know that God's word never comes back void? God's word is amazing. The dictionary says this about an oath. It's a solemn affirmation with an appeal to God for its truth. The Hebrew word Shaboah, something sworn. Something sworn. God's proposal to us, something sworn. The Greek, horkos, a fence, a limit, a sacred restraint placed on oneself. Now here's, ladies and gentlemen, where sometimes we miss Christianity. We see Christianity through the wrong lens sometimes. We see Christianity as a restraint placed on us. We see Christianity as a fence, but I can't do that anymore, and I can't do that, and and we see it as a restraint. Listen to me. When you're in a relationship with God, you are free because the restraint is on Him to provide for. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer and our health. This is what He binds Himself to. There's not a restraint in Christianity. It's not a dull, boring life. It's not something that is hard to, no, no, no. Why? Because he, in an oath, he, in the words of the covenant, said, look, I am yours. And when he says, I am yours, it means so much more than what we know as a natural relationship. It's so powerful. If we could see Christianity through the right lens, we would see how free we really are because he is the one. Come on, that is going before us. He is the one that is walking beside us. He is the one that is carrying us through every circumstance, problem, trouble we will face. See, that's why, listen to me, we don't have joy as Christians all the time because everything's joyful, right? I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I've come in some circumstances that aren't joyful. And I'm not one of those people that, that fakes it until you make it, all right? Oh, it's faith it until you make it? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not one of those people that can fake it, you know? You ask my wife and any of the leaders. They know. Anybody that knows me knows when I'm not joyful or in a good mood, okay? But here's why we can be joyful. Because even in the middle of a bad circumstance and a bad situation, his promises still remain. His promises. Why? Because he is bound to them. That's powerful. That is powerful. That's why you can read scriptures, although I make my bed in the pit of hell. Guess what? He's there. Man. Wow. Hmm. This is good stuff. Good preaching today, Pastor Ben. Thank you. I really like that one point. Yeah, me too. 
This is so good. In Hebrews, it says that we have this hope then. We read it today, we have this hope then. What is the hope? Listen to me. When I asked my wife to marry me, she had that ring on her finger, engagement ring, and any time she doubted, she'd just be like, oh. Not that she ever did, but if she ever happened to. She'd just look at that ring. She had, yeah, okay. He promised himself to me. Okay. Powerful. Wedding day, another ring. Why is it that come the guys don't get two rings? Or gypped. She could look at that ring. That's the promise. We are in covenant relationship. I am solely his. He is solely mine. Listen to me. When you're having a bad day, has anybody ever had a bad day before? A few honest people, okay. If you're having a bad day, ladies and gentlemen, you don't need to go get a gallon of ice cream. Come on, somebody. You don't need to put on your most comfortable jeans. Come on, somebody, right? When you are having a bad day, listen to me. All you have to do is pick up the promise. All you have to do is begin to pick up the B-I-B-L-E. Okay, somebody else went to Sunday school. Thank you. It's like, oh, maybe they don't know that song. <laughs> Sometimes I sing some of the old songs my girls and they're looking at me like, Dad, what is that? Like V is for victory. Remember that one? Come on, somebody. If you ever went to vacation Bible school, you know V is for victory. Should we do it right now? All you have to do is pick up the Bible. And you begin to read, listen to me, I've done it time and time again. When I am down and out, when I'm distressed, listen to me, prayer, man, it's good. Man, worship, I love it. But sometimes you just need to pick up the promises of God and begin to read them and begin to meditate on them and begin to memorize them and begin to realize, you know what, although right now I feel like I'm going through hell, guess what? His promises still remain and he'll carry me right through that hell. Come on, somebody. He'll carry you through. And I begin to read the promises of God. I, I love going to the Psalms. When I'm down. Anybody else go to the Psalms when you're feeling down or is it just me? Come on, somebody. And I read the Psalms and I realize I am not as big an idiot as David. <laughs> right? Come on, somebody. You know? <laughs> and he, he loved David. David got this. Man, I, I'm good. I'm good. And I love reading it, meditating on it. Why? Because it's the promises of God. And I realized something at that moment. Man, his promises are irrevocable. What he said, he will Wow. How powerful is, the, is his oath to us? How powerful is the covenant, the words of the covenant? So powerful that in Ephesians chapter 5, back to, our, back to our wedding analogy, in Ephesians chapter 5, it tells the husband, hey husband, here's what you need to do. You need to wash over your wife with the water of the word. Wow. Think about that. That's how powerful the word is, and that's why, ladies and gentlemen, when you're down and out, that's why when you're not quite feeling, you pick up the Bible and you begin to read it, man, it begins to wash over you, and it begins to revive you, and you begin to realize that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. You realize that, man, God, it's your word that I hide in my heart that I might not sin against you. You realize that, God, your, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And, God, I need, a, I need a light right now. You realize that Job esteemed God's word more than his necessary food. You realize in Psalm 119 that his word is the very anchor 
for your soul. When you're feeling down and out, what you need to do, you need to pick up the promises of God and you need to begin to read them and begin to realize that God swore himself to me. God promised himself. The Abrahamic covenant, Hebrews 6, it's still in effect today. It's still in effect today. And that promise he made to Abraham, the Bible says it'll go on to his seed, his heirs. Hello, somebody. Some promises. How powerful was that? God swore by himself. Made an oath by himself. Sealing himself to that. Bible says that his word is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. The promises of God are perfect. I got, I got a question for you today. And I know that some of you might be sitting here, maybe you had a proposal, like the one on the screen this morning. Or maybe you, you had a proposal and you got married, but the marriage ended. And so when we talk about these terms, we talk about this covenant relationship that God wants to his, for his people, and you're looking at it through a filter of, of something gone wrong. But we need to begin to change the way we look at our circumstances. We do not look at the word of God through our circumstances. We need to look at our circumstances through the word of God. God is not a man that he should lie. You can trust him with everything you have. You can trust him with your whole life. You can trust him with your whole heart. You don't have to hold anything back from him. He's got great plans for your life. He's got great purpose for you. And listen to me, I'm standing here today. No, not, not fully where God's taking me. Not fully where I went, want God to take me. But I'm standing here today fulfilled because of a relationship I have with him. I'm standing here today content but still contending for more because of a relationship I have with him God speaks he fulfills his word God we thank you for your word today